0: Ted Brightwell still remembers the first time he went to the Grand Palace. This was back in 1973, and the palace was one of the few gay bars in Charleston, West Virginia.
1: Now I was not very pretty then. (laughs) I had on white fur hot pants, a black turtleneck sparkly sweater, a wig that just kind of sat on my head and blue glitter eyeshadow, but I did have good shoes, and I could walk in them.
0: Ted was a theater geek. And he and some of his friends had gotten dressed up for fun, and they decided to strut their stuff at the bar.
1: But we walked in, and the first drag queen I saw there was a queen that looked just like Cher. And I was like, okay, I need to improve on some things. And I did. And, you know, 40 years later, I'm known across the country. In
0: 1995, Ted was Miss Gay World. Anywhere I go, I get booked because I do Barbara Streisand, so it's just helped me become pretty well-known. He does Cher, too. A fan posted this video on YouTube showing Ted lip-syncing to a Cher tune. Guys in the crowd are holding up dollar bills and shouting as Ted struts around. He absolutely nails Cher's movements. Her singing poses and signature hair toss, even the licking of her lips. It's freaky how much he looks like her. Ted's come a long way since the first night he walked into the Grand Palace.
1: I mean, I knew what I was, but I had never been to a gay bar. So the first time I walked into the Grand Palace and saw men dancing together and uh, had drinks bought for me because I was young and pretty then. And, it, <laughs> you know, uh, it, at that point in time, I immediately, I mean, it was, a, it was an epiphany. It hit me in the face. This is who you are, Ted. This is who you are. Don't hide it anymore. And I did it.
0: I'm Trey Kay, and this is Us and Them from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. It's the podcast where we tell stories from America's cultural divides. Here's why I wanted to hear Ted's story. I grew up in Charleston, West Virginia, where Ted lives, and I knew him back when I was in high school because he dressed hair for a play I was in, a production of My Fair Lady. And I don't get how someone like Ted could come from a place like that, a state where 53% of the people believe the Bible is the literal word of God.
2: There is good, and there is evil, and there is sin, and these are people who are choosing a behavior.
0: People like my friend Alice Moore haven't changed at all.
2: This kind of attraction and behavior was a practice of sodomy.
0: But there's a sweeping cultural change going on. I just saw a poll that shows that a majority of Americans now support gay marriage. Even 45% of Republicans. But as much as things have changed for gay and lesbian people where I live here in New York, I'm not always so sure how things have changed in red state America. And that's why I wanted to go back home to where I grew up in West Virginia and talk to people. I wanted to know what it's like to be gay there today. And I wondered what it's like to be wary of all this change and see it happening all around you. So I went back, and I talked to old friends, and I went to church.
3: And Christians aren't upset about this. So there's no outrage over homosexuality. It's accepted today.
0: It wasn't accepted back when I was in high school. Contempt for gay people was just part of the landscape back then. My high school buddies and I used to drive by that bar that Ted mentioned, the Grand Palace, the gay bar, and we'd yell, faggot, out the car window. Most of my friends didn't know it, but I went to that bar once. It was back in 1979, I was 17, and I was in a production of Jesus Christ Superstar. One night after rehearsal, some of the women in the cast wanted to go dancing at the palace. My buddies said, No way. One of them said, That's the fag bar. But the women said the palace had the best dance floor in town. It lights up like in Saturday Night Fever. So we reluctantly followed them into what we imagined to be our town's very own Sodom and Gomorrah. Body, body. When we got inside, the women we were chasing were already out on the dance floor. The rest of the clientele were mostly men jumping, twirling, and grinding their hips into one another. I tried not to stare. I was expecting effeminate, girly men, but there were more than a few dudes who without a doubt could kick my ass. There were tough looking guys decked out in leather, chains, and studs like the biker dude and the village people. I slipped off to the men's room. It was packed. The guy in the next urinal was a blonde bombshell in drag. He looked just like Marilyn Monroe. I kept asking myself, why is he doing this? Who'd have the balls to dress in drag in the middle of redneck Appalachia in the 1970s? More than 30 years later, I still wondered. And I asked Ted why he did it.
1: I came out with a vengeance so therefore this this is my home, this is where I live, this is is where I'm going to practice my profession and as a young idealist I felt that yeah I can be defensive about that a little bit and I'm going to say yeah I'm going to fight for my rights. And I felt very strongly about that. And maybe to, I, I might, sometimes as, as you're young and idealistic, you might take things to an extreme. I mean, yes, there were times when I was flamboyantly walking down the street, look at me, look at me, you know, I'm just a big old homo. But uh, at the same time, I, in my mind, as a young person, I'm thinking, okay, they're looking at me and yeah, they can make fun of me, I don't care, but I'm still here and I'm not leaving. So you gotta get used to it.
0: Ted's not from West Virginia. His parents are, but his dad was in the military, and they moved around a lot. Ted came here to go to college, and he's done well since then. When he and I met for a walk around town recently, I met him in front of his hair salon, the Visions Day Spa. The spa sits on picturesque tree-lined Capitol Street, right in the heart of Charleston. It's surrounded by a hip bookstore, boutique lawyer offices, and a gourmet ice cream parlor. But doing hair wasn't Ted's career plan when he came to Charleston to go to college.
1: At the time, I thought I wanted to be a teacher and then decided that I wasn't really cut out to be a teacher. And at that time, I kind of discovered who and what I was and I kind of thought being gay in the school system was probably not the best idea.
0: When Ted did his student teaching, it didn't go well.
1: Just walking down the halls, like at a high school, I would hear, Uh, Can I say fag? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) I would hear, you know, faggot, faggot. And I'm thinking, am I that obvious? Which I probably was. But at the same time, so I thought, do I want to subject myself to that every day in a career?
0: Ted became a hairdresser instead. It seemed like an acceptable job for a gay man. I think it must have been awful to be harassed so much that you change careers. But Ted says he loves being a hairdresser and he downplays how badly some people have treated him.
1: I can't say that I had any kind of uh, hard time coming out by any means. Uh, I never felt threatened or in fear of my life walking down the street, and I was pretty, you know, pretty out. Uh, You know, we, we used to wear our fake fur coats and have just a tiny little bit of makeup on, have our carry our man bag in 1974, which you just didn't do. And I had to endure, you know, people talking about us and saying things and this, that, and the other. And, but, you know, it, but I never felt threatened. But I, I was discriminated against.
0: Ted says he was fired from a bartending job because he was gay. And he was kicked out of two apartments.
1: The landlords would come up and say, uh, I don't want your kind here. What would they say? Exactly that. I don't want your kind here. <laughs> so you have to move. And
0: it was clear your kind meant a, a, a homosexual.
1: Yes absolutely and at that time i was young and i won't say totally naive but it hurt my feelings it really i mean it devastated me uh and i eventually i found uh i was working at the time as a bartender and one of the guys his father lived across the street from this apartment and he said i can find you this apartment the guy's pretty cool and i lived in that basement apartment for years because I did not want to subject myself to that again. Even though I was doing much better, I lived in this dump, (laughs) you know, and finally my friends had to convince me to move out.
0: Where are we walking to now, tell us. We
1: are walking to what used to be the Grand Palace, which the building is no longer there.
0: So we arrive at the place where the palace once stood, right next to the I-64 on-ramp. And I need to get something off my chest. Okay. So, I'm confessing that, you know, in those years when I was a teenager, you know, you're out with your your buddies and you're hot rodding around and whatnot, and I remember we would drive up this ramp and we would shout over the rail at the Grand Palace, Faggot! And I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed about that.
1: Did you throw eggs? <laughs> no, I didn't throw eggs. Did you throw beer bottles? I, I didn't do that. Okay, well, but people did throw eggs and throw beer bottles. Now, I can't say that I know anybody that ever got seriously injured from that. Of course, that is dangerous. But I can remember one time myself coming through there, and all of a sudden we were walking by the wall, and we hear this splat, followed by faggot. And it's like, oh, shit, girl, they're they're throwing eggs at us. Run. (laughs) And, of course, we were in drag, so it's like, they can't can't hit us with an egg. You know, that'll mess up this makeup I spent two hours on.
0: I never threw eggs, but I'm ashamed of what I did do. I'd like to think that in the 30 years since then, I've grown up, and I kind of feel like the rest of us have, too. Today, Charleston has a gay pride parade. Men in drag march down the street, and people don't throw bottles. They line up and cheer, kind of like they do for the annual Shriners Parade. Today, gay people can get married in West Virginia, and Ted thinks that maybe one reason that's true is that guys like him were so out so early in the battle.
1: I like to think I helped, at least in this area. I tell the young kids all the time when they talk to me, I'm 60 years old now, so the 21-year-olds that I talk to, you know, they'll, you know, they'll, we'll talk about things. And I said, honey, you couldn't walk down the street holding your boyfriend's hand if it hadn't been for me, you know, <laughs> so just respect me, damn it. <laughs>
0: If you're ever in Charleston, West Virginia, you can visit Ted at his salon, The Visions Day Spa. On most weekends, you can see Ted, or Miss Vicki Williams, as he's known, at a drag bar called The Broadway. You can see photos and links of Ted at our website, usandthempodcast.com. It's a tragic story in my
2: view, my vision here, I, I, this is a sad story.
0: Things have really changed, and West Virginia has become a more tolerant place. But some people haven't changed, and they probably won't ever soften their stand on homosexuality.
2: Note that I am shaking my head in disapproval, but go ahead with your story.
0: <laughs> Remember my friend Alice Moore? She is a conservative, God-fearing Christian who used to be on the school board of our county when I was a kid. Alice and I have a friendship that strikes some people as odd. She believes that the Bible is the revealed word of God, and I... Well, I don't. But even though we disagree on so many things, she gives me insight into a way of thinking that's foreign to many of my Blue State friends. And I think it's a perspective that we need to hear. And besides, I just like Alice. Hi. Nice you. You Alice lives in Tennessee now. I went to see her recently, and I told her that I was going to do a podcast that talked about my visit to a gay bar back when I was a teenager. I literally thought that this was the Sodom and Gomorrah of Charleston. I mean, I I I, 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 I thought going in there. What, what did you say? I
2: said it was. It was what? The Sodom and Gomorrah of Charleston. How do you know that? Well... <laughs> That's where the name Sodom comes from, from sodomy and from <laughs> this kind of attraction and behavior and people behaving in this way, that uh, was the practice of sodomy. I mean, if they were practicing that, they're practicing sodomy. So, <laughs> so that was, uh, I'd say that would be the sodomy of Sodom and Gomorrah of Charleston, is a good way to put it. And it's, it's a tragic story in my view my vision here I that this is a sad story. But uh why? Oh (laughs) Trey, there is good and there is evil and there is sin and these are people who are choosing a behavior. And they are they are basically their own God. So you know I've told you before, if there is no God there is no right and wrong. There is no morality. There is just my opinion and your opinion, and maybe the, the opinion of the state, which is going to be more powerful than both of us uh, and can force its morality on us both. If there is no God, there is nothing that you can say is wrong, evil, or good.
0: But, but uh, here, here, I, here I am.
2: So, and you're saying this is the Sodom and Gomorrah of Charleston? I said, yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah of Charleston. If that's the kind of place it was, and that's the kind of people it was attracting, then, yeah, that was not a good place for you to be.
0: Back in the 70s, when Alice was a school board member, our county was planning to adopt some multicultural textbooks. Alice objected to the books. She believed liberals were trying to use schools to transform society. One thing they wanted was to force people to become more accepting of homosexuals.
2: So we're going to say, tell these little children, now, what is homosexuality? Well, if you're a boy and you like boys better than you do girls, then you may be a homosexual. Or if you're a girl and you like girls better than you do boys, you may be a lesbian. And we're going to start that. And with kindergarten children, we're going to introduce them to uh, uh, this little girl who has two mommies or two daddies. We take it is evil it is sin. It is the doctrine of secular humanism. It is the religion of the public schools that the government endorses and allows and encourages and requires in many cases. And we—that that is what we replaced the doctrine of Christ with. And we take these little children and confuse them about things they've never heard of in their lives
0: how should, we, how should we talk about these people? I don't know we need be
2: talking about these people. When I talk about them, I talk about the sin of behavior. I talk about God's laws and the disobedience to God, and uh, which uh, he that knoweth to good, do good and doeth it not to him. It is sin. And so I talk about sin.
0: The reason I like to check in with Alice on this is because views like hers helped to shape my early views on gay people. The idea that homosexuality is an abomination against God was something that pervaded the culture I grew up in. And people in West Virginia and other Appalachian states are still struggling with this. In West Virginia, gay men and lesbians can still face vicious discrimination sometimes. I heard this story recently from West Virginia Public Broadcasting's Roxy Todd, and I asked her to come on the podcast and tell us about it. Hey, Roxy, thanks so much for coming in and doing this.
4: Thanks, Trey. I'm glad to be here.
0: So I want to hear a little bit about Sam Williams. He was a coal miner a few years back. What happened to him?
4: Well, Sam Williams was working for Massey Energy, and he really enjoyed being a coal miner. He had a lot of um, really close friends that were coal miners with him. Um, and at some point, his friends found out that he was gay, and they started harassing him at work. Um, he kept working at Massey Energy for about five years, and eventually he quit because the harassment became so brutal. Uh,
0: so you visited him recently? W- where's he living now?
4: Sam lives with his husband, Burley, um, about a half an hour outside of Charleston. They have a little town home and uh, I visited with them when they were making dinner. Sam Williams has two dogs, Bella and this chubby little bulldog, Lacey.
5: Give day 11. Yes, you days, girl. You days, love like bug.
0: So, Roxy, how was it that Sam Williams came out to his coworkers?
4: Well, he didn't come out. They actually found out about it.
0: They
5: just took it upon ourselves to watch, follow, see me come out of a bar, automatically stereotype me. I faced a lot of things in the mines. I've been told that uh, they hope all faggots die. Um, There's there's a fine line from uh, somebody saying that they're joking and then looking you in the eye and saying it and knowing that that's what they meant. But um, when it's your supervisors, it's a whole different ballgame.
0: So the coworkers found out he was gay. What happened next?
4: Well, the harassment at work um, escalated. And his coworkers even would follow Sam out to his car and his coworkers even would show up at night um, bang on his door and Sam and his husband Burley, they installed this heavy-duty Security system, which is still there. I saw it and um, it alerts them whenever someone walks through the front or the back door um, And they became so threatened that Burley even bought himself his first gun It was nerve-wracking. This is Burley.
6: They mess with his vehicle like scratched and um, quit fag, took the wheel weights off his tires. I never knew when he was coming home and when he didn't come home
0: I had to go out and drive, go to mine and search for him. I'm thinking someone shot him on the side of the road. That sounds horrible. So I understand that Sam Williams quit and he sued Massey Energy. But I'm interested to know how he was able to sue Massey. I mean, because you say in your report that in West Virginia, laws against discrimination don't cover sexual orientation. I mean, it's legal to fire somebody or or harass somebody who's gay. Is that right?
4: Yeah, that is right. It is it is legal at this time to discriminate against somebody just because they're gay in West Virginia. Um, the way it worked is that Sam's lawyer sued Massey Energy for sexual harassment at work, and they settled out of court because um, Massey Energy was actually bought out by Alpha Natural Resources, and that company decided they wanted to um, settle this case and kind of get it off their plate. So it is still possible at this time in West Virginia for people to be fired. But there are activists who are trying to work to change that law at the state level.
0: And I understand that you've talked to folks in one activist group, Fairness West Virginia. Let's hear a little bit of the conversation you had with Andrew Schneider from Fairness West Virginia. It's particularly, I think, risky now that we have marriage equality because you can get married on Sunday and then fired on Monday. Marriage, in some ways, makes... Our relationships in the gay community more visible, and so you are more prone to have the picture of your loved one on your desk. You want to talk with coworkers about what you did with your family over the weekend
4: oh that's interesting, so we're in a, a weird transition phase where it's becoming more socially acceptable, but at the same time it's almost like people in the lgbt community are more vulnerable to discrimination and and and, and in
0: some ways it wasn't expected we never expected we would get marriage before we got non-discrimination so one thing that got you interested in going back and checking with sam williams is that there's a new song about him can you tell me about that
4: yeah there's a singer-songwriter who lives in kentucky and his name is sam Cleves. um They're both Sam's, so it gets a little complicated talking about them. But Sam Gleaves, he's born and raised in southwestern Virginia. He's trained as an old-time musician. He's 22 years old. He's young. And this is the first album that he's been doing uh, with songs that he's written himself. And the title song, the new album, he played for me on the banjo in his home. It's called Ain't We Brothers.
7: I was born here just the same as you. Another time, another day, I'm sure the good Lord took his time, made each of us just this way.
0: So you talked to songwriter Sam Gleaves, and what did he tell you about why he wanted to write about the experience of Sam Williams?
4: Well, he heard about this story of Sam Williams being discriminated against in the coal mines, and he thought that this was a really interesting story about somebody who had a lot of courage. Um, even though he didn't come out on purpose, Sam Williams really started taking an active role and speaking out against what happened to him in the mines. And Sam Cleaves was really impressed.
6: I was thinking about what it means to be a man in our home region in, in central Appalachia. You know, a lot of people would say there's kind of a narrow definition of, of what it means to be a man here.
7: Tell me I'm not man enough to set foot in that mind. Go home and tell me that once more to my face is time.
6: And I was thinking, you know, he's more of a man. He's brave. He's taking a stand for who he is and he's not gonna put up with this abuse. And he's honest. You know that's that's what makes him a man.
0: So, Sam Gleaves is gay himself, and he's making music in a kind of a traditional world in rural Appalachia. Is that one reason he was drawn to this story? And has he faced discrimination like Sam Williams has?
4: Sam Gleaves told me he never has faced the kind of discrimination that Sam Williams has experienced. And he did mention that some of his mentors in the music community are gay themselves and open and that that is changing in the old-time music community. But that said, he does have some older musicians that he knows and he's um, learned under, and he knows that he has held off being open with them. But for the most part, Sam Gleaves does say that he's able to be open with his own sexuality.
6: Maybe the popular perception is that everyone that's gay in central Appalachia is in hiding because they're afraid of, you know, religious repercussions or being shunned by their community for whatever reason. And that's not true. I think there's an there's a subtlety about Appalachian culture and about the way we communicate sometimes where a lot of things go unspoken, but they might be communicated in other ways. You know, like... Um, acceptance for, for gay folks in a lot of their families might mean that they don't name their partner, you know, their partner at, at family gatherings, but that person is welcome anyway.
0: So the song about the minor that he wrote, has the minor heard it? Sam Williams?
4: Yes, um, he heard it and he loves it.
5: That is That is a powerful song. And I mean, it was so. I I loved it because when he comes on there and he says, you know, I I come home to uh, my man or my husband or.
4: You never know. I think I got a man waiting on me at home or something. Yes. First things
7: first, I'm a blue collar man with scars on my knuckles, dust on my hands. Probably wouldn't have ever known I've got a man waiting on me at home.
5: That relates to me so much because I know that Burley was waiting for me at home. I mean, uh, he'd wait up for me until we got in and then he'd he'd have dinner waiting on me even though if I would got in at 3 o'clock in the
0: morning, you know. So what does Sam Williams do now that he's not a minor anymore?
4: Um, now Sam Williams is a manager at a local Dollar General but he did tell me that he still misses uh, the work that he did in the coal mines.
5: I do miss running good coal. I I miss, you know, being top dogs on the coal crew and and before things started getting more violent. If there was a perfect world out there, I'd love to be another coal... I mean, I'd love to be a coal miner again, but it'll never happen again, more than likely. But uh, it was fun.
7: To tell you the truth I don't want to fight Just want to say one thing outright to you Ain't we flesh and blood all through And ain't we brothers too
0: That's musician Sam Gleaves singing a song inspired by the story of minor Sam Williams. Roxy, thanks so much for bringing this story to us.
4: Thank you, Trey.
0: Roxy Todd is a reporter for West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Songwriter Sam Gleave's debut album comes out in May, and you can hear the whole tune inspired by Sam Williams' story on our website, usandthempodcast.com while you're at our website, follow the links to subscribe to us and them. And like us on Facebook and Twitter and let us know what you think of the show. And come visit me on my own Facebook page. You'll find that I have friends from all different perspectives talking about issues that tend to divide people into entrenched camps. My hope is that people will talk with people from those other camps rather than talking to an echo chamber of people just like themselves. I like a good argument, but the idea here is to keep things respectful. Some of the folks that you disagree with might be my brothers or my cousins. So let's talk. Log in and let us know how this cultural change is playing out where you live. Is it safe to be out where you work? Can a gay relative bring a partner home for the holidays? And I'm curious to know what you think about Alice Moore and her argument that liberals are using the schools to change society. Join our Facebook and Twitter conversation and let us know. Sam and Burley Williams got married back in 2010. They had their wedding in Washington, D.C. because same-sex marriage wasn't legal in West Virginia. But things have changed. First tonight, we begin with a breaking news alert out of West Virginia, where same-sex couples are now allowed to marry. West Virginia used down. to ban gay marriage, but the law was struck down in court. In the fall of 2014, the United States Supreme Court refused to hear appeals of cases like that. So, West Virginia joined a growing number of states that legally recognized the marriages of same-sex couples.
4: This comes after Attorney General Patrick Morrissey said his office would no longer fight a court challenge to the state's ban on same-sex marriage.
5: We did everything in our power. Uh, we uh, litigated this case, we had intervened, and uh, while I'm disappointed with the Supreme Court's decision, because I really think it takes power away from the states and from the local uh, folks, uh, at the end of the day, as the Attorney General, I have to respect Supreme Court decisions and precedents, uh, whether you like it or not.
0: This whole thing happened before many West Virginians could get their mind around the idea. The Sunday after the law change, I went to the Church of the Nazarene in Nitro, West Virginia.
3: And I just want to say this morning, I'm not going to preach a message on uh, homosexuality this morning, but I do want to tell you that I'm utterly disappointed in our governor, I'm utterly disappointed in our uh, uh, attorney general, and I'm a, a, a disappointed in the Supreme Court. So I believe that we are a nation that's turning away from God, and our nation desperately needs prayer.
0: And preacher David Clark says he's disappointed that more preachers aren't speaking out about this brave new world of homosexuals marrying in West by God, Virginia.
3: And Christians aren't upset about this. So there's no outrage over homosexuality it's accepted today. There's no outrage over adultery. there's no outrage over sex out of wedlock. there's no outrage over teen pregnancy. there's no outrage over lying cheating or stealing. no outrage. Mm-hmm. But the only sins that bring out rage today are pedophilia.
0: Society doesn't accept While preacher Clark was struggling to wrap his mind around the notion of gay marriage, the first same-sex couples to get hitched were also having trouble getting used to the idea. Uh, Casey McGee. Do you take Sarah Adkins to be your lawfully wedded spouse to have to hold from sickness and that to your part?
8: I do, but where are rings? <laughs> oh, oh.
0: That's Casey McGee at her wedding to Sarah Adkins. They were the first same-sex couple to marry in West Virginia, and they were the plaintiffs in a lawsuit to force change in the state's marriage law.
8: I got the phone call about 2.45 saying you need to go to the courthouse. At roughly 2.46, um, Sarah texted her friend Aaron, who is the guy who performed the ceremony. He's a licensed minister here in West Virginia. Um, But he was in class. So she texted him, and he got up and left class, in the middle of class, and he beat us to the courthouse. We went home, picked up all of our paperwork because, you know, you need the, the birth certificates and stuff. Our rings arrived in the mail yesterday. (laughs) Um, So they were waiting for us when we got home.
0: So that's kind of serendipitous, right?
8: Right. Um, Unfortunately, they were too big. But, you know, if we do the best we can. We left the house. While we were driving, I was calling friends saying, this is what's going on. You know, we're headed to the courthouse. Do you want to be there? Uh, Can you make it? And um, those who could did and the media beat us to the courthouse so we walked into a panel of cameras and lights it's all right now you guys have been a couple for how long oh uh, just about five years all right and you've been se- thinking about getting married for how long just about five years Just about five <laughs> years and you all have been fighting for this for a while so what does this mean for you having fought for this for so long it's obviously it's a huge win uh, it's a it's a legal win but for us it's just I mean, we've been a family for a long time, and it's just nice to be able to finally have that legal protection to go with our actual family. All
3: right, All right. by the power uh, meet by the state of West Virginia, I now pronounce you lawfully <laughs> 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 We did it! We
8: did
7: it!
8: We did it. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me is, you know, really proud because it's a big deal for other people, and I've gotten a lot of you know, thank yous and congratulations, and um, but I didn't do it to be the first. Um, it, was, it was really cool that we were the first, but we did it because we wanted to be married, um, and we have been waiting, and we were, we were part of the fight to get the right to be married, so we just wanted to do it as soon as possible, and also we said, we need to get there before they change their minds. <laughs> Knowing, knowing that we are united in a now legal way that takes some of the uncertainty out of life situations, you know. I don't have to worry about if Casey has to go to the hospital. Are they going to let me back to see her? Are they going to recognize that we're in a relationship? Or are they going to treat me like the legal strangers that we were before 4.15 yesterday?
0: Do you guys feel changed? Do you feel any different?
8: I don't know if I felt changed. Um... But like I said, I'm not, I'm not inter- entirely certain that everything has sunk in yet. Um, I stopped sometimes. Actually, today I, it's four or five times I've just stopped and said, "We got married." Mhm. I have and, a and wife. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And and you know we, we and stopped that word and that would mean something now. Yeah, we stopped and looked at each other and we we're like, "Wife," <laughs> and and you know it's a word that we haven't really been able to use before. Um, and it's a word that everybody understands what it means, and yeah. Yeah, calling somebody your partner just doesn't have the right feel to the it. partner, the significant other, the girlfriend, which sounds so juvenile. Yeah. <laughs> for people to, who have been together for five years and own a house together, and, you know, it's silly, but wife is nice. I'm digging it.
0: <laughs> That's Casey McGee and Sarah Adkins McGee the first same-sex couple to be legally married in West Virginia. When I was with them, they were absolutely beaming. You can see a picture of the three of us at usandthempodcast.com. It's absolutely amazing to me how quickly our nation has changed course on same-sex marriage. I mean, a little more than a decade ago gay marriage was a wedge issue that may have helped motivate conservative voters to re-elect George W. Bush. Now, if it's a wedge issue, it, it may be in favor of Democrats. It'll be interesting to see what the Supreme Court says about gay marriage when it weighs in this summer. But no matter what the court decides, there's no disputing things have transformed dramatically for gay men and lesbians in America. I know the transformation I've made in my life from shouting faggots while speeding by the Grand Palace to posing for pictures with just-married lesbians. I don't know this for sure, but I imagine my change of heart is a journey that many Americans might have made over the years. For a long time, we've treated gay people as a them and hoped that they might keep their lives closeted or on the margins in bars like the Grand Palace, hidden away on the dark side of town. But little by little, it seems like some Americans are consciously bringing gay people, our neighbors, colleagues, friends, and family, onto Main Street. No longer a them, but rather part of us. You've been listening to Us and Them. Our show was written and produced by me, Trey Kaye, and edited by Katherine Winter. We are delighted that West Virginia Public Broadcasting's Roxy Todd shared her story about Sam Gleaves and Sam and Burley Williams. Our show was mixed by Laurie Stern and Chris Julin. Michael Lipton and Tristam Lozow wrote our theme music. Us and Them is made possible by the generous help of the wonderful people at West Virginia Public Broadcasting with additional support from the CRC Foundation. Our stories that focus on West Virginia are made possible by a grant from the West Virginia Humanities Council. Us and Them was developed with the assistance of AIR, the Association of Independence in Radio mentorship program. Special thanks to Julia Barton for all her wonderful help. If you like this show, like us on Facebook or Twitter and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you grab your podcasts. We've posted a bonus podcast to this show that features the story of an Episcopal priest who married same-sex couples back in the 1970s when it just wasn't done. Check it out. For our next program, I try to decide whether or not to give money to panhandlers.
3: I've seen some people wearing, uh, like, $200 sneakers panhandling. So you tell me, why would I give that person money?
0: Next time on Us and Them.